0: So, I'd love to welcome Roscoe Patterson to our podcast today. Hey, Roscoe, how are you?
1: I'm very good, and yourself?
0: Very well, thank you. And the podcast name is Everything You Need to Know, and today it's Everything You Need to Know About Cryptocurrency. And I know some of you are thinking, what is cryptocurrency? Is that that stuff that was Bitcoin? Uh, I've heard this other stuff about it, and you may be a bit confused as to what it exactly is and how it works. And Roscoe here is an expert on this field, and he's actually a thought leader in the field as well, creating ways forward so that everyday people can transfer money without having fees and charges and doing it in real time. So, Roscoe, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, and just introduce everyone to how did you get into this field and how did this become a thing for you?
1: Sure. Um, I in early twenty seventeen, so late twenty sixteen, I was learning how to trade um, as I was like sort of transitioning out of a career of uh, seven seven odd years as a like sales, marketing, leadership coach. Um, I was looking for something to transition to, and so I was learning how to trade, and I was learning how to trade forex, and then. Uh, My friends were doing quite well with trading cryptocurrency and I was like, sort of like got led down the rabbit hole from uh, a trading perspective and uh, quickly snowballed into doing mining, running events and all sorts of things on the subject. And uh, it was, for me, the aha moment around crypto was when I realized that typically on a computer, uh, all assets are total commodities because you can click copy and paste and bitcoin was literally the first time where you couldn't copy and paste something you couldn't just like duplicate it so they made a very limited asset in a very uh unlimited space so that was an interesting dynamic for me and i was kind of like mine was blown around that um the other big parts of the puzzle for me uh, were the fact that the completely and utterly sovereign nature of decentralized cryptocurrencies. And there was particularly a book that really opened my eyes to uh, the importance of decentralizing uh, centralized power sources globally. And it was uh, called The Dictator's Handbook. There's also a great YouTube video called Rules for Rulers, which is a summary of that book, um, which kind of outlined what happens when, when, when powers all squashed together and how it's inherently corruptible even if the the most benevolent benevolent people are inside the system so i saw it really not only as a currency but as an opportunity to kind of redesign the future of the world in so many different ways and uh yeah it really opened my eyes it was it was kind of like a a cracking open of what was possible what's next what's coming for humanity Uh, but also my timing into the space is interesting because uh it's a it's a lot of it was it was the it was the peak of expectation and the technology wasn't quite there yet. And uh, yeah, like people from, people who flooded into the market for all sorts of reasons uh, in 2017, whether it was the running price or there was, uh, you know, there were mining opportunities, there were trading opportunities, there were even some scams that got people introduced to it. And of, of, of whatever reason people got in, it was the peak of expectation and things you know as you know uh, had like the uh the big corrective wave that was probably the most public one of bitcoin today in terms yeah. of price and and correction etc
0: so if i can take you back a bit because i'm sure there's some people actually i know a lot of people who still don't really understand cryptocurrency at all yeah. so when we talk about things like mining we're not going out with big machines and drilling somewhere this is all happening in, this, in terms of zeros and ones in some big computer inside some data center somewhere, right? And so can you just explain a bit more about what actually is cryptocurrency?
1: Sure, so I mean, with the example I just used of, of being able to create limited assets in a unlimited world, essentially like crypto was the ability to say, okay, so there's 21 million Bitcoin in existence, um, the essential, you know, fundamentals of that is is that there's going to be no more created than that. Um, the way in which they were released or unlocked, so the 21 million weren't in circulation from day one, is they went through a process called mining. Uh, mining is the verification of blocks. So the the miner is literally. Chipping away at, so the reason they call it mining is because the computers are literally sitting there chipping away at algorithms to confirm public and private keys matches and they're validating blocks as they go. So they are literally working like little digging machines.
0: So it's kind Um, of like lemmings, that old game lemmings, where they?
1: Yeah, somewhat, (laughs) somewhat. Um... Yeah, so I mean, the 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 goal and role of the miners is is to uh, create proof of work, which is literally the thing that validates and confirms the ownership of the assets and which addresses hold them and own them. Now, without getting too technical, essentially, cryptocurrency is is the first step in the process of digital cash, like making money truly digital, making it not live on a centralized record inside of a bank or a federal reserve or in you know money transmitters it was taking it away from there and putting it into a decentralized network which enables uh basically everyone to become like a validator and everyone like it it essentially has the ability to take it from uh right right now in the world we have a mix of government-based money and corporation-based money the corporation-based money being the bank's and then we have uh, decentralized currency, which is like people-based money. So it, 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 cryptocurrency enables us to go from, rather than politicians running our money or CEOs, it enables you to be your own bank. And that's the, that's the big uh, promise of it. But also it hadn't or hasn't to date uh, delivered. It's only kind of in the last little bit that the technology really been available. Yeah. Uh, to be able to, you know, even, even consider it being possible.
0: Right. And when we think about cryptocurrency, this is probably the first time in modern history that we've seen a currency being developed. So in the past, we know that people used to trade in gold and they used to trade in shells and then, you know, silver and nickel and bronze items were used. So this is the first kind of creation that modern history has witnessed um, as opposed to ancient history witnessing in terms of the development of a new way of trading um, for goods and services. So as we look at cryptocurrency and the decentralization of it, what was it that happened in 2017? Was it a lack of technology? Was it a lack of buyer understanding? Because I know a lot of people jumped in and kind of got burnt and they've kind of gone, no, I'm never doing crypto again.
1: Yeah. so you 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 like I mean, so you get your different waves of people. I mean, uh, Australia, you know where where you are has got one of the higher percentages of crypto penetration. I think it's like I've seen different studies say you know nine percent of people own crypto up to as far as fourteen percent in Australia, which is quite high. Typically it's lower like uh, you know two to seven percent in most other countries. Um there are a few outliers, there's five or six countries that sort of sit in the same bucket as Australia. Um, i think there's a blend of things that that happen Uh, australia actually has uh some pretty strong startups in the crypto space like there's some great projects in australia like synthetics uh loki concrete there's some like fantastic crypto projects that are like been building there for the last few years and and doing an amazing job um what what you did have though is it was kind of like um, if you remember if you if you if you're a part of the personal branding wave that happened in you know from about 2010 onwards there was this real wave of everyone suddenly was building a personally branded website on wordpress.com and they were you know they were putting their wares out there and and people quickly got to uh, like had these huge expectations of their personal brands doing things and they weren't really wanting to do the work they just wanted to build a website and get a result and get a return uh, it was very similar to that and that people were looking to get into crypto to get a quick win and I think the uh, unfortunately for people they did one of one of two behaviors they either didn't distribute their risk evenly across multiple opportunities and they went too heavy into one which crypto is a high risk, high reward asset class at the moment, or has been because we now have decentralized, stable cryptocurrencies, which is a completely different kettle of fish. But in, as far as the speculation goes, it's high risk, high reward, which means you need to put you know, one to, if you're really aggressive, maximum 10% of your net wealth into high risk things and distribute that over 10, 15, 25 deals, so that means not putting all of your eggs in one basket and 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 this only being one basket of your overall wealth, like 80 to 90% should be in property shares, metals, like more more, more real world assets that are going to be better for you uh, for stability and certainty. But this is the one to say 5% of your portfolio that can outperform the rest if you pick an outlier, but you've got to make enough bets to be able to pick an outlier. You can't assume it's all going to happen in one train. Like, um. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite interesting.
0: And I think that's the thing is when there's high risk and high reward, the system perhaps doesn't have the scaffolding around it to support it, which is why you get those high rewards, right? And And you have that lower certainty. But as people are desperately looking for certainty, particularly in Australia at the moment, people are paying mortgages that are just insanely... Over, they've overcapitalized on their homes and they're paying mortgages that are really, really high. And they can't actually, even if they sell their house, a lot of the time they can't pay off their mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for that quick get-rich-quick scheme. And I think they jumped into I think, this, I this.
1: I think there's this interesting dichotomy because the, you can't close off to opportunity, but then you have to have a framework and a model that gives you safety approaching opportunity in your investment portfolio. so you 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 yes like like i mean so I've, i've i've been angel investing for some time now and i've done extremely well out of it and i will go in and say pick 20 deals and make a small investment into 20 deals and then uh recently i just had the experience of getting a 20x on one of those 20 deals so i'm now neutral on that portfolio and then moving forward I've still got 19 horses in the race and you know like if, if any of them I mean I could liquidate it now and it would be in profit but you know like I'm, I'm completely clear and I've still got 19 deals that are on the table um, that's about you know having a framework so so a framework for example you know if someone takes five percent of the net wealth and they have a hundred grand that five percent of the net wealth might be spread across 10 deals that they put 500 on each of them um, and then they do due diligence. So they go through at least a simple evaluation framework of like, who's the team? You know, what traction have they got? What's the technology? What's the product they're building? And like, what are the terms of the deal? Like they go through at least those four hoops to figure out like, is this something I should even touch with a 10-foot pole? Um, because people, people unfortunately, uh, FOMO invest more than they do any diligence. They're like, oh, my friend's doing it. Oh, I'll do it. Oh, my friend's doing it. Oh, I'll do it yeah and And i think that's
0: what happened in 2017 right i know people were telling us hey jump in this because we've just made two hundred thousand dollars and it sounded really attractive yeah Um, we were one of the lucky ones that jumped in and put five hundred dollars and you know smart smart
1: i mean i think the uh you know i think when it comes to Cryptocurrency and speculative, you know, like investments at large. The first and foremost thing to do is, you know, like just only invest what you can afford to lose. And 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 literally, that that statement means that, you know, like that means, you know, that that's how you pick your one to ten percent of your portfolio. Is is like how much of my net wealth can I lose and I won't be in trouble? Now the design though is to is to become a sophisticated investor. I don't know why my notifications are making sound, sorry. Um, it, it, the design is to become a sophisticated investor. Like, and 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 the journey to that is, you know, learning from masters around angel investing. Like, you know, we've all watched the Shark Tanks. We've all uh, seen those shows, but there's a couple of resources I highly recommend. Like, one is a book called Angel by Jason Calacanis. Can't rec- recommend it enough. I think that's angelthebook.com. He turned 100 grand into $100 million from angel investing in early-stage startups. Um, You know, the the likes of uh, Peter Thiel and, you know, like uh, all the, you know, the Mark Cubans, all these sorts of people in the world that are finding early-stage deals and investing in them. There's a lot of no-name angel investors and no-name venture capitalists that control a lot of the world's wealth from making these deals. Um, It's really interesting to me that, uh, angel investing becomes a part of someone's ethos now this may mean uh taking bets on all sorts of different types of businesses and equities it's not just necessarily cryptocurrency but i think you know the idea of angel investing and due diligence for me was a mind-blowing moment
0: and can you just explain a bit more about what angel investing is it's it's going into startups right And yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: i mean like if you look at the uh n- number one sort of like performing asset in like uh you know, the, the the safer asset classes, it's shares, you know, like they're the things that Vanguard has portfolios of that you can earn like 11% per annum, you know, and manage funds and, and, and mix bags. Um, so it's essentially getting shares before the shares even exist is angel investing. You're going back one step earlier. You're getting in an, an early round so early that there's no way it'll be a share for maybe five, even seven years, you know, like, uh, the, the pathway to exits for angel investings are typically uh, five to 15 years and sometimes sooner. Like, I mean, cryptocurrency gives them a liquidity event much sooner. Like, they can start exiting in like 12 to 18 months if they get into the right deals. So, and this is a, uh, you know, a, 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 it's essentially buying shares much earlier than anyone else. And so it is highly speculative because we know the failure rate of companies, for example, is like, so you've got to have a diligence framework that helps you you know pick wiser and then pick enough deals so that if if six deals die on you in the next year like completely go to zero and two you know like just do okay and one does outstanding then you've had a win and that's the framework of angel investing um it's not you can't it's definitely not all eggs in one basket
0: yeah yeah and so if we move now into this decentralization yeah. idea and if we look at you know the old school things that people refer to as the illuminati and um <laughs> and things like that if we take it into the woo woo a little bit you know there's this thing that the you know the big five control everything how does the decentralization of cryptocurrency affect the rest of the world and affect just an everyday person who wants to go to Woolies and do her grocery shopping for her kids. How is that going to make a difference to the way that our kids grow up? Um, And how's it gonna make a difference to the way that power shifts in the world?
1: I have like seven answers to this question. Um, So the... There's a few things. I want to go back to times in history where we've seen shifts in power before and just just like recap a couple of important points. For example, the way uh, America became a superpower on, a, on the global stage was the uh, countries who had too much red tape at the time forfeited the opportunity to take on uh, what America took on. And the, uh, the foremost piece of technology I'm talking about was the motor car, cars. And literally, like the UK, you know, England, London was the world's superpower prior to the motor car in, in so many ways, shapes and forms. And um, a similar time of the advent of electricity. And what happened is, is the US had more uh, support of innovation at a regulatory level and the uk had like a lot of harsh laws for example uh one of the harsh laws was called the red flag rule which was literally you know like if you wanted to operate a motor vehicle in the uk you had to have an engineer sitting beside you as a co-pilot in the car and then you had to have a man out on foot waving a red flag around saying a car is coming a car is coming get out of the way there's a steel death trap coming and uh so, literally, you were only going as fast as a guy on foot in front. And so, the obscene laws kind of, like, push them out of the power. And this is literally, like, this happens in nations over and over and over again. With the reason why no empire, like the Roman Empire, the like any of the empires that have been in the world before have existed is because they get to this state of inflated ego towards the end of their tenure. And they start saying, we can, we can govern anything. We can rule anything. So, they put over excessive laws and it slowly puts them out of power. The way we're seeing the states do this right now with cryptocurrencies is the excessive like outbound communication from the SEC, from you know from FinSec, all these kind of things. So we'll see some interesting shifts because there'll be nations that'll pop up that enable and endorse cryptocurrency and push it forward and allow for it to move forward that will be able to like take the crown economically. Uh, much like, I mean, you, we saw in the last 50 years singapore spring out of the you know the, the the bottom peninsula of malaysia there and uh they did so because of the economic freedom zone so if you support innovation you get to you know advance your country now uh that's a, that's part a part b of the answer is the 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 systematic um design of these systems is the the reason they kind of complete their tenure and they try to overrule everything is because people when they're in a role of authority have other people that they have to keep happy to maintain their role in authority so so we you know like in in every typical everyday terms you know these are referred to as like lobbyists or you know like we hear about like big pharma paying off government or whatever that might be that actually is an important role for that politician no matter how benevolent they are what they're trying to do is just make sure they get the donation so they can stay in power to do the things they want to do that are good for society but they're trapped in this system that's like stuck
0: yeah
1: and 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 the reason that big farmers say could corrupt say particular outcomes or decisions is because there's two or three people they can corrupt to get an outcome yeah. So decentralization means that we could go to a completely different system design where it would be too expensive to corrupt the system. By decentralizing the number of people that make the decision, it would be too expensive for big pharma to influence, say, 200 million Americans out of 300 million or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So the
1: power of decentralization comes from being able to make the system more incorruptible by having more real votes and more tangible outcomes on it. So uh I haven't touched on uh Illuminati or anything like that because no. I don't really know
0: That's
1: fine. I don't really know the impacts of that like specifically but one thing one thing that um I mean the one thing that I've they've heard through the grapevine, and it, it's definitely not, definitely got nothing to do with me. But one thing is, is that they were kind of like behind, like they were like happy to uh, see the experiment explored. And I don't think they really care, to be honest. Whoever is the controlling families of the world, because they've still got so many assets, so many things, they're going to be fine in whatever the new world looks like. So I don't think disruption would harm them. Um, Maybe they're, may may harm their agenda, but it wouldn't harm them personally. Like they're going to be okay. They're still going to, you know, have the fancy dress parties. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think they probably, they're probably a bit bored with their own agenda after thousands of years too.
0: Correct. So how how then does this decentralization, how does it benefit the mum going to Woolies doing her shopping? Like, so I I would
1: probably, it's probably going to impact her later. Um, And so what I mean by that is is where this is first going to have the the on-the-ground ripple effect is like there's 1.1 billion people on the planet who don't have a government-issued ID, which means they don't have a driver's license or a birth certificate and they can't open a bank account. Um, There's a further like six to seven hundred thousand people that are under some sort of capital control, like uh, women in the Middle East, for example, can't open a bank account in some countries without their father or their husband's permission. These are the types of people that will use you know the process of being their own bank with cryptocurrency these there will be a leapfrog event here where other sort of like countries that are like trailing in terms of productivity right now will leapfrog and jump forward economically over the next sort of like 25 to 50 years and we'll see some you know outlier countries really step forward um so that's going to that's going to impact the underbanked and the and and the people with cross border capital control remittance issues like those kind of people are going to have an impact first because to be honest a mum going to woolies has access to services like revolut revolut's pretty cool it's like a fast easy fun process um it doesn't you know like the 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 traditional banking system doesn't offer uh good stable returns like uh defi products which is decentralized finance products do these days but um the you know like There's going to have to be higher utility of these things that are coming out than a Revolut. There's going to have to be higher utility than a Westpac or an ANZ bank account, which I think is going to be pretty easy. But uh, there's got to be higher utility of the functionality of it for a mum at Woolies to get a real value out of it. Uh, There is an alternate reality uh, possible in cryptocurrency. We could see further widespread of more coins made. And for example... um, You know, like the kids might go to a school and that school might just decide, you know, it might be a private school and it might decide to have its own cryptocurrency. And then if the mum shops at Woolworths with that, there might be some sort of positive impact or benefit that, you know, like mum spends that money. Um, Money is actually going to become, in a sense, a form of communication by like what denomination you use is going to communicate your values to the world in a lot of ways. And uh, that'll be interesting that'd be interesting. I think the, there is one last impact to the mums and pops in Australia, which is like, there's a lot of cash ban laws, you know, like uh, a lot of all sorts of, you know, like uh, laws that are being placed under the, the, the guise of uh, the black economy in Australia. And uh, to be honest, it's bullshit because, you know, having over $10,000 can now mean that you potentially have the ability to be locked up for two years. Um, I, I my, when I was five years old, I'm th- I'm 35. When I was five years old, um, my great grandmother passed away, and we were cleaning out her house, and we found little rolls of like fifty and hundred dollar notes everywhere. And when we counted it up, it was over ten grand then, because that was like her little rabbit hole she made, and it was just a process of saving to have some cash on hand in case you know there was a, like a devastating emergency or anything like that. But my little old grandmother would have been breaking the law to the point of where she could have gone to jail in today's modern age in Australia. So I think uh, cryptocurrency is going to offer a safe haven, uh, especially with stable coins. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to offer some state safe haven from being able to have some basic human sovereignty and not being labelled a criminal because you're trying to provide for your family.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: um, I think that that will be a part of it. Um
0: yeah, and that that's amazing. And I definitely know that cash law because I remember around the time of my divorce, I also came to the same thing with my grandmother having to clean out her yeah. unit <laughs> and, and there was a lot of cash, and we all split it between us. And I actually wanted to buy a car, and the car dealership wouldn't take ten thousand dollars in cash. No. And I was like, "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, because it's probably drug money." And I went, "Oh wow, okay." thanks Thanks. i won't be uh buying my car (laughs) here but i had to go and put it in the bank and explain to the bank where it came from and then i could go and buy my car and and so
1: and and so we're actually guilty until we prove innocent in the money system yeah and 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 it's a fundamental human sovereign right to be innocent until proven guilty so i i should not have to explain where the hundred dollars out of my wallet came i as a, a like who, who is anyone to to not only uh inquire about it but like to accuse without substantiated evidence
0: absolutely you know? yeah absolutely so how are you moving this forward um i know you've got an amazing product that you're working on at the moment and you're currently in vietnam and you're doing a lot of stuff all throughout asia you've been to korea and macau in the last couple of weeks um how are you personally moving forward and also, what's the legacy that you're leaving behind? Because this really is a legacy project for you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so quick summary. the Essentially, like I've mentioned stable coins a few times, uh, so we're really embracing those. Uh, particularly, we really love the stable cryptocurrency called DAI. Uh, it's completely decentralized. We don't control it, but we've created an interface for it and making it much more usable than it is in its current form. So we're building Mosendo, which enables anyone anyone to send money anywhere uh, and, and through through any medium. Also, so they do that by creating money links. So literally, what you do is um, you can put you know like die into a link, and then someone clicks that link, and they can redeem it right in their web browser, and then have the ability to secure it further by downloading the app. Um, but basically, we've made it so that that money is. L- Purely electronic, in the sense that the link actually becomes money, like a fifty-dollar note, and so the holder or the first clicker of that link gets the fifty dollars. So it's it, it it actually makes it uh, as much as we can like digital cash to really free it from uh, the the bounds of all the different platforms and things that uh, things have to go through. So that's that's kind of like our mission um a lot of the you know people that i said this would positively impact to begin with is is our sort of you know go-to-market focuses to help a lot of like remittance and challenges around uh you know like especially with like nomads who are you know a little bit of scratching our own itch you know nomads who are traveling around like asia and i've had my bank cards you know like even though I tell the bank that I'm traveling to a country, I've had my bank cards frozen six times this year and have to ring them and be like, hey, I told you I was going here. This is like, you know, whatever. Anyway, so the, a little bit of killing that, that frustration, but also the bigger picture to me is like, there's this great story uh, that I constantly am reminded of is there's this uh, lady who's, and, and I say great story because it's like a turning point in psychology for people when they hear it about why digital cash is important. And uh, so there was this maid that uh, sends money home to she worked in Washington, D.C., and she sends money home to her mom in Mexico. And she literally, you know, sends it via Western Union, which is like one of the options right now. And her 84 year old mom, you know, dear little old mom goes to goes to the Western Union to pick up the money, walks out of the Western Union and, you know, gangs in Mexico essentially attack her, roll her. She ends up getting hospitalized and has all her money stolen. Now, there's no reason why uh, her life needs to be at risk in this day and age. There's, there's no reason why, um, you know, like one of those women in the, the Middle East who wants to start a small business with her friends, why she shouldn't be empowered to do that. Or why a kid who is, you know, a little boy who was born in Indonesia, but his mom didn't get a birth certificate at the time and he can't get one retroactively. Like, why shouldn't he have access to banking? or the ability to, you know, access stocks and shares and finance products. Like, what what, what, what did he do, you know? Um, so, for me, that's the bigger mission is, is you know, like, yeah. giving access. And I think access is important. Everyone should have access. Like, I mean, as an Australian, you should have access to buy shares or equities anywhere you want in the world, but you actually can't, like, you can't, like, go and just easily buy, like, Chinese shares. And, you know, China's a pretty important market in terms of, like, companies that are emerging. So you know like access is important i think uh equal access is you know an important thing when it comes to financial services
0: yeah and it's really part of building a global community right we yeah. we talk about living in a global community in global times but we've got all these rules so how can people get on board and back what you're doing um how do they get in contact with you what's the best way to become part of what you're creating uh
1: there's a couple of ways uh we've got this cool little Group on Facebook called DeFiNation. Uh, so you can find that by going to join defination.com. I've also got a Telegram group attached to that page. Uh, that's where we like share a bunch of decentralized finance products that we're learning about as we're learning about them. Um, and also we're building Mercendo. So you can check out Mercendo.com and get notified of when the app's going to be ready to download and get going with it as well.
0: Yeah. And will that be something that when you download Mercendo, uh, if you were to send me $20 on my and I open it up, how do I spend that $20? Uh,
1: so there's a network of uh, merchants that like basically, so we, we have very much a playbook, very similar to like Uber Eats or Uber or Grab or any of those. So we roll out in an individualized city through a market at one time. So like I'm going to hit like the uh, core tourism spots, like the restaurants and cafes and things that people will frequent. Uh, whether they're locals or travelers to begin with, and we'll roll it out city by city. But the network effects and money links uh, and, and the mechanics that we've put in to incentivize new users, into you know, the product will mean we get network effects like Uber did, you know, where you get people going, oh, I want it here, I want it there, you know, those kind of things. Um, we've got some really cool testing around that already where we've been able to sort of like figure out a way we can acquire customers for between 3 and $7 a customer. Um, and the lifetime value of them is like 180 to 190 dollars to mercendo so it's uh, it's interesting. It's it it it's got a cool rollout plan, and we've done some good, interesting testing around it. Um, but it's also it's always with how you're going to get it out there. It's a hypothesis you've got to yeah. prove it. But at scale, you know, like the network effects of the money link alone can look massive.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: not to mention the other sort of growth hacks we've got in there. So yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time today, Roscoe. I really appreciate everything that you're doing for, you know, particularly like the thing that gets my heart every time is when you talk about women in the Middle East who cannot, they just can't do anything. And it's, they've got great ideas. There's a lot of intelligence in the Middle East that needs to be exposed. And by doing the kind of work you're doing, We're allowing those women independence and particularly financial independence. So thank you for the work you're doing. And I'm sure that a lot of people will reach out to you after this.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. And I think the uh, empathy that women bring once they're empowered financially to the decision-making process in the world is going to be the phenomenal
0: wave of the next, you know, 50, 100 years. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.